You're listening to To Dine for the Podcast, the Shot Put Media production, presented by MasterCard. Start something priceless. What's better in life than a bottle of wine, great food, and an amazing conversation? My name is Kate Sullivan, and I am the host of To Dine For. I'm a journalist, a foodie, a traveler with an appetite for the stories of people who are hungry for more. Dreamers, visionaries, artists, those who hustle hard in the direction they love. I travel with them to their favorite restaurant to hear how they did it. This show is a toast to them and their American dream. To Dine For the Podcast is brought to you by Terlato Wine Group and American National Insurance. I live in Chicago, and right about now, the leaves are falling and so are the temperatures. This makes me want to grab a glass of red, find a fire pit, and a cozy sweater. If you are looking for a wine recommendation, may I suggest the 2018 Hannah Cabernet from Sonoma County. If you prefer white wine, the 2021 Hannah Chardonnay is a great option. This female-led winery offers absolutely delicious options for your fall table. Great pairing with more savory dishes, or to share a bottle with friends. Hannah Winery brings the rich and unique terroir of Sonoma County right to your home in every glass. Cheers, everyone. To Dine For the podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. For 115 years, American National has remained committed to helping people and communities make a real difference in their lives. American National supports great local community organizations led by the kind of people you hear about on To Dine For, people who are inspired to make a difference and inspire others in return. American National's philosophy is helping where it's needed helps us all. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write, and the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com dine. Welcome to To Dine For, the podcast where we meet the world's most creative and innovative minds at their favorite restaurant. On today's episode is Emmanuel Acho. I rented an all-white studio space in Austin. I sat in a chair for nine minutes and 27 seconds and 25 million views in two days. My whole world changed and I realized I could change the world. Emmanuel Acho is a New York Times best-selling author, host of Fox Sports, and creator of Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. Growing up in Dallas, Texas, the son of Nigerian immigrants, he never dreamed his life would take him all over the country as an NFL player for the Cleveland Browns, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the New York Giants, but it did. Turned out those glory years of playing football was really just the beginning of his career and what he says is now his calling. This episode was originally part of season four of To Dine For on public television. We dined on the rooftop of the Waldorf Astoria in Beverly Hills. At the rooftop by JG, Emmanuel shares the emotional breaking point that led him to step into a whole new direction of his life professionally and personally. Please enjoy my interview with Emmanuel Acho. Today I'm in Beverly Hills, California, on the roof of the Waldorf Astoria at one of the most stunning restaurants in all of LA. But it's the person who chose this as their favorite restaurant that I can't wait for you to meet. He's a dreamer, a visionary, and he's just getting started. Hello, hello. Emmanuel, how are you? How are you? 
so nice to meet you. Emmanuel. Thank you so much. Of course. Goodness. Have you taken in the fight? <laughs> I have taken in this. I did not lead you astray. You did not. I promise I didn't lead this you astray. Is so fabulous. What you've heard about Beverly Hills is exactly what you get. With its opulent estates, palm tree lined streets, lavish hotels, and chic shopping, this town of the rich and famous lives up to its glistening reputation. And 12 floors above it all is the perfect place to take it all in. The Rooftop by JG. When I walked out, I was like, this is a wow. <laughs> wow. And I can see, in the, in the, we haven't eaten anything. Just, no. Just take it in the view. The crazy thing is, I literally come here once a week, and sometimes I'll come here every weekend, and I will just sit by myself. It's not surprising Emmanuel comes here regularly. Take a look at this view. The Rooftop by JG is a completely alfresco dining experience right on top of the iconic Waldorf Astoria Hotel. California sunshine meets luxury in this venue that feels like you're dining in an elevated garden. Outfitted with jade-colored furniture, lush greenery, and a living wall, this is the place to be. It's very difficult to have both things on the rooftop. Usually you have the view, but the food's not following up or you have the food but you don't have the view, so actually with that place we're trying to balance both. The cuisine at the rooftop is classic California with a kick. The all-day menu is based off some of the best signature dishes served up at Jean-Georges restaurants in New York City. Each dish is adapted to incorporate the fresh produce of the West Coast. The food can be a crispy sushi, can be a tuna tartare, can be a lobster burger. We build this uh, french fry caviar. It's a simply french fry with a lot of caviar on top, with some eggs, pretty unique. There are an assortment of flavors from Latin America and Southeast Asia, combining New York flair and California fresh. It's a tough choice what to pick on this menu. We're always trying to bring all the senses. Everything's gonna make the eyes attractive and after we're playing with the palate and, and all the senses. Perched above Beverly Hills over crispy sushi and lobster burgers. Yes, I said lobster burgers. I'm dining with a man who is changing the way our country talks about race. A 30-year-old who found himself in the spotlight when he realized his unique identity in our society could serve a much bigger purpose. This is truly stunning. <laughs> I'm wondering though, of all the restaurants in LA that you could have chosen, why here? The energy is great. It's like, it's elegant, but it's not too like stuffy. Mm -hmm. You go to some restaurants that are elegant and it's incredibly stuffy, but you can come in jeans, you can come in a suit. It's not just about the food or the location. Sometimes it's about how a restaurant makes you feel. In this area of Beverly Hills, you don't often see some people that look like me, right? You don't necessarily see like just a ton of black people, whether it be by happenstance or whether it be by, you know, historically socioeconomic status and trying to traverse and ascend mm -hmm. um, the limitations that this country has put certain people in, not to get too deep, um, <laughs> but you just don't. And so when you come here, you see a variety of colors and cultures. Mm. And I like that as well. Yes. Because you go to some like fancy steakhouses in LA or anywhere in the world, and you just see one demographic mm -hmm. of people. Mm -hmm. But here, even if we were to look around right now, you see Asian American, you see Indian American, you see Black American, you see White American. Mm -hmm. And for me, it just That's makes important. me feel well. It's huge. Yes. It's huge. It's a subtle thing, but an incredibly important thing. Yes. Yeah. And like, 
especially this day and age, I don't even know how subtle it is anymore. Mm-hmm. Like now for me, it's just gotten to a point of importance. Mm-hmm. It's gotten to a point of like, it's good to see people that look like me where I am. Yeah. You grew up in Dallas, Texas. I did. The son of Nigerian immigrants. Correct. What was that dichotomy like growing <laughs> up in Dallas, growing up with your parents? Thank, Thank you. you so much. Dichotomy is a perfect word because you grow up in America and in Dallas, Texas. I went to an affluent high school called St. Mark's, all boys private school. And the school is predominantly white, but at home it's Nigerian culture. So I'm eating goat meat, I'm eating rice and stew, I'm eating pounded yam, I'm eating plantain, um, and and listening to Nigerian music, going to Nigerian small groups. But then you go to school, and again, it's predominantly white. Right, and it's the Dallas Cowboys, and it's barbecue, and it's 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 Texas. So I I had to kind of be a master of fitting into different places, Mm. which honestly has served me well, I guess, Mm -hmm. in this day and age, because now I... I too have been able to kind of like a chameleon be able to blend in different spaces and different places. Mm-hmm. Dichotomy is How a perfect word. How did that affect word. you? I'm sure you identified as all these things, but you didn't quite apparently fit the bill enough for other people. Sorry, I'm distracted by how amazing this food looks. <laughs> so this is the crispy sushi rice with oh. the assorted fish on top here for wow. you. And then the tuna tartare with um, the ginger soy marinade dressing. Perfect. This looks incredible. Thank you. It does. People are probably oh. too nervous to eat typically, but I'm hungry. Okay, me so too. So I will be eating and talking. Me too. Um, yeah, I would say the two things that oh, wow. are, I know, I know, the flavor. <laughs> the, flavor. the flavor. I, need, I might need a moment it's here. It's amazing. It truly is. Wait, I'm going to take another bite and then I'll oh. it. Wow, the ginger, the mm-hmm. soy. That's really, really delicious. <laughs> How did it affect me? Yeah. I think I had an identity crisis growing up. Yeah. I didn't really know, like, who I was because all of my white friends are telling me I'm not black, black. Like you're black, but you're not black, black. You're not that black. And then I would go to church in uh, inner city area in Dallas, in Oak Cliff, and predominantly black. Mm-hmm. But now like I didn't feel comfortable because I was black by skin color, but not by culture. Mm. I'm Nigerian cultured. And I don't think our country has done a good enough job of identifying the difference between color and culture. Mm. What do you think were the unwritten rules of growing up with your mom and dad? And, you know, was there a a prevailing value or a prevailing uh, rule that you, everyone had to follow? Getting like a C on a report card wasn't even like an op. Nigerian culture, you must be a doctor, you must be a lawyer, you must be an engineer. (laughs) A sport. You had to be successful. You had to be driven. There's a saying, Naja no de Keri last. Naja, Nigerians, no day carry last. Don't come in last place. Mm. And it's a saying all amongst excellence. Nigerian culture. Excellent. It's excellence. If you imagine the game of tetherball, mm-hmm. and there's a ball attached to the rope, which is attached to the pole, and regardless of how you hit it and where it moves, mm-hmm. it comes back to the pole because it's attached to the pole. My pole, if you will, that I am attached to mm-hmm. if I were the ball is my faith, mm-hmm. my Christianity, and being a Nigerian. Mm-hmm. So regardless of how life mm-hmm. is moved me in this tetherball, if you will, I still end up circling um, those things. And it was your ability to be in all those different spaces that has led you to every moment of your life right now. Bingo. It's yeah. funny you said that, because I've said that, but I don't yeah. think I've said it publicly. Yeah. So I'm like, how did you just know to say that? Yeah. <laughs> um, when I think about playing in the NFL, I didn't do that to uh, accumulate a ton of money. I think everything I've gone through in life has led me to this moment. Mm-hmm. And quite literally, um, has led me to June 1st, 2020, 
when I drop uncomfortable conversations with a black man. Uncomfortable conversations with a black man. It sounds uncomfortable, right? Well, that's the point. In late May 2020, as the country processed the murder of George Floyd, Emmanuel found himself doing the same. George Floyd had just been murdered, I want to say three days prior. And I'm sitting in my room in Austin, Texas, lived in Austin at the time, and I set up my iPhone in front of me. I'm in a, a, a black Lululemon shirt. And I'm just sitting in, the, in front of the camera because, Kate, I was, I was tormented. I knew I had a responsibility to speak as a human being, but I'm a sports analyst, so what the heck am I gonna say? What he said next and posted to his Twitter account may just have been exactly what we all needed to hear. And I'm a sports analyst. These people don't wanna see me tweeting about anything racial. Anytime I put out a tweet, they're just gonna roll their eyes and keep scrolling, but my life would be wasted if all I ever did was debate Jordan and LeBron and who's better. If all I ever did was break down a cover two defense and what that means. Because all of that stuff means nothing. It actually means nothing when people are unnecessarily dying. We'll have more on this conversation in just a minute. But first, thank you to our sponsor. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. To Dine For the podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. There's a funny thing about most insurance commercials, whether they feature lizards or birds or funny cartoon characters. It seems like they want you to think about anything but insurance. American National, on the other hand, has real local agents who get to know you so they can help you reach better decisions about your insurance to make sure you're protecting what matters most to you. American National agents are part of your community. They're your neighbors. So whether it's solutions for your home, your small business, your farm or your life, you can count on your local American National agent to make sure you get the discounts you deserve and the protection you need without paying for extras you don't. With American National, you get an ally, not just a web page. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write in the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com dine. I live in Chicago, and right about now, the leaves are falling and so are the temperatures. This makes me want to grab a glass of red, find a fire pit, and a cozy sweater. If you are looking for a wine recommendation, may I suggest the 2018 Hannah Cabernet from Sonoma County. If you prefer white wine, the 2021 Hannah Chardonnay is a great option. This female-led winery offers absolutely delicious options for your fall table. 
great pairing with more savory dishes or to share a bottle with friends. Hannah Winery brings the rich and unique terroir of Sonoma County right to your home in every glass. Cheers, everyone. Now back to our conversation. How did the death of George Floyd affect you personally, enough to galvanize you into a totally different direction? I think the murder of George Floyd was my breaking point. And not breaking point in the sense of I now had a, a anxiety attack, a panic attack, but it was my breaking point of, okay, Acho, now it's time to get in the fight. Like, I let police officers do it, and I let, you know, activists do it, and I let the world do it. But finally, after George Floyd was murdered, that's when I said, y'all not getting it done. It's time for me to do something. Right. Now the question is, what is that something? Right. I realized that my voice was my sword. I sit in front of my camera in my room, and all I say is, like, dear white brothers and sisters, we need your help. And I record this video, and I just pour out my heart. I, I don't really make notes. I always talk off the top of my head. I don't review questions. And that video had like 2.2 million views in a matter of maybe a day. And so I said, okay, we have ears, we have hearts, people are listening. I only had, I don't know, 30,000, 40,000 followers on Twitter at the time. So 2.2 million views, there's something. It certainly was something that got our nation's attention. And it was just the start for Emmanuel. So then I called my friend who's a wedding videographer. And I called my best friend, true story, true story. And I called my best friend who's an Olympic gold medalist in the four by 100 meters at Rio. And I said, please stand in as my producer. You stand in as my editor and videographer. I rented an all white studio space in Austin. I sat in a chair for nine minutes and 27 seconds. And 25 million views in two days, my whole world changed. Mm -hmm. And I realized I could change the world. Mm -hmm. So I've created this for you. Um, because in order to stand with us and people that look like me, you have to be educated on issues that pertain to me and fully educated so that you can feel the full level of pain, so that you can have full understanding. Emmanuel's path was to field questions from white people that they haven't felt comfortable asking a black man. His goal, to use his voice to create a safe space to talk race and start conversations about racism, slavery, and inequality in America without judgment, or fear of asking the wrong thing. It was simple, but it was very difficult. So uncomfortable conversations with a black man was going to be called questions white people have. Because it was very literal. <laughs> white people have questions. I know it, sorry, I'll do. Um, and I know white people have questions. Right. Because I hung up with all white people growing up. Right. Why was it important to call it uncomfortable conversations? Why not just conversations with a black man? <laughs> Number one, uncomfortable scratchier. <laughs> Number two, uncomfortable is more authentic. Why is race so uncomfortable? Why Nobody talks about it. Why not? Let's Why be is it uncomfortable? Real. Um, Please. I would honestly say that my white brothers and sisters are ill-equipped to talk about race in America. You're truly equipped to what you have exposure to, an authentic exposure to. In America, I, as a black man, can't go really anywhere on any day without seeing white people. Mm -hmm. You as a white woman can't. Mm -hmm. Black people in this country have more experience talking about race because they understand race, because they deal with other races more frequently in general than white people. 
So when you say uncomfortable conversations with a black man, it is truly, you're really inviting in a white perspective into your conversations. In this case, you're not talking to other black people. No, no, you're talking to You're talking to white people. That's what people don't realize. Know your audience. Right. Um, my audience is truly my white brothers and sisters. Yeah. Old four amazing. Oh my goodness, wow. <laughs> wow, thank you, that looks incredible. This is your order. Yeah, a lobster burger. Well you can't get a lobster story. burger everywhere. Yeah, you no. can take this. Let's talk about your book. It hit the New York Times. Debuted at number one. That's crazy. a congratulations. Thank you. That's amazing. It's crazy. Why did you write it? <sighs> I had to. Mm -hmm. I recently read a quote by Neil deGrasse Tyson, and I'm going to paraphrase it because I may butcher it if I try to go direct, but he said, what I do, I do out of duty, not necessarily a desire. Because if I can do something, and I can do it better than other people, I would be morally irresponsible not to. Mm. So when you ask why do you write uncomfortable conversations with a black man, why have you entrenched yourselves in racial reconciliation? It's not that I want to, it's that I have to. It is your calling. I have to. Emmanuel's first book, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man, was an instant number one bestseller. His goal was to expand on his video series, delivering a straightforward dialogue for those seeking answers about race. But he didn't stop there. In the same year, he set out to write a second book, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Boy, aimed at opening the conversation about systemic racism to young people. So why did I write Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Boy? One, because I had to. I believe this. If you wanted to affect the trees, you could pluck down the leaves, you could cut down the branches, but especially affect the root. And children are the root of racism in our society. So why are we gonna sit here and try to put a Band-Aid on something that needs reconstructive surgery? Let's address the root. Emmanuel's video series and books didn't just catch the attention of everyday Americans. Once his message started spreading, it didn't take long for some big names to ask to participate in his uncomfortable conversations. In the last year, Chelsea Handler, Matthew McConaughey, Chip and Joanna Gaines, and Roger Goodell have sat down with Emmanuel to talk race and get their questions answered. So is this like a manifesting thing or is it a sense of your own destiny? I didn't manifest it. I think it was, I just answered the call. Like, I'm now in my calling. Mm. I'm not really all that special, I just picked up. Mm. Right, I got, I've gotten called from three no-caller ID numbers over the last year. The first one was Matthew McConaughey. Um, he calls me and he's like, Acho, McConaughey speaking. I wanna have a conversation. This is after my first episode of Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. The second one a week later was from Oprah Winfrey. The third one was from the commissioner of the NFL, Roger Goodell. And wow. I said that like life, your calling will call you, just pick up. Mm. So you don't have to look for the calling. It'll it call will, you. It will call you. It'll call you. Like McConaughey called me, Oprah called me, Goodell called me. Like your calling will call you. Now it might be as not in dramatic fashion like mine right. was from no caller ID number. Yeah, I never pick up a no caller ID. Should start. I should start. Uh, no, I generally I don't recommend this to everybody. Do not pick up no caller ID numbers. Don't do it. Um, so often in life, people chase. Well, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm good at. I don't know X, Y, or Z. And I'm like. The, the issue isn't will you get called, the issue is will you answer the mm. call. Well, those are three amazing calls to pick up. So that begs the question, what do you think your calling is? My calling is to be a bridge of reconciliation in our society. 
I'm not the smartest person in the world by any means, but I have an ability to empathize. And I say that confidently because I know what I'm really bad at. I'm in a moment right now where so many crazy things are happening, but I'm a man on a mission. So I'm not really getting distracted by any of it because that wasn't the goal. Right. The goal was never to talk to Obama. The goal was never to talk to Oprah. The goal was never to talk to McConaughey. The goal was never to talk to any of these people. The goal was to reconcile. Well, let's start there then. Let's say you have a white man who has a coworker who's black, who, and they re he really wants to have an uncomfortable conversation with the black man, but isn't sure that the black man wants to have an uncomfortable conversation with him. Mm -hmm. The emotion of it, the, the sense of you're on two different wavelengths as far as history and understanding and mm -hmm. who knows. How, what would you encourage and what would you say to that white man who wants to have that conversation with a black man and knows it could be a landmine? The first thing I would do is start with humility. Like, hey, I just wanted to come to you and say that I want to be better for you, for myself, for this world. Right. If you have the energy, if you have the emotional bandwidth, I'd love to just sit and talk with you for a bit. Mm. Just so I can learn about your experience, so I could better help people that don't look like me. Mm. The black person could say no. Right. But that's um, a really nice in. It is. This burger is so good. It's almost like uh, a crab cake mm -hmm. on a burger. And I would never have thought to put this to all together, but the flavor is amazing. It's amazing. Yep, amazing. Good old lobster burger. It'll change your life. Mm. So I'm originally from Massachusetts, mm -hmm. and um, I love lobster. And I have never had a lobster burger. So thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so since you've embarked on this journey with uncomfortable conversations with a black man, I'm sure you've done a lot of your own research, reckoning, education. What have you learned about race in America over the past year, doing what you're doing? If no one hears anything else from this interview, they should probably hear this, from this conversation, if you will. I don't think white people, generally speaking, are racist. Mm -hmm. I would say that the majority of white people are racially insensitive or racially ignorant. Mm. In our judicial system, we have degrees of murder. First degree racism, premeditated, owning slaves, saying the N-word maliciously. Second degree racism, a crime of passion. Think George Floyd. Right. It was motivated in part due to him being black. But then you get involuntary racism, and I think that's where the majority of my white brothers and sisters fall into. Right. Emmanuel, you're so smart for a black guy. Oh my gosh, you're so pretty for a black woman. I mean, you're black, but you're not like those other blacks. I think that's the majority of where we've fallen yeah. in society, and that's what I've realized in the last year. But it is the third degree racism that'll kill. Because the first and second are easy to spot. Right, right. Notice I haven't even brought up that you played football one day a while back. I love that. <laughs> um, what do you think you learned the most from your time in the NFL? Resilience. How so? I was cut one, two, three, four, five times prior to the age of 25. To put that in layman's terms, well, I was also drafted and I was traded. Layman's terms, you got hired by an organization, you were transferred to another organization, and you were fired and rehired by that organization mm. five times before the age of 25. Wow. So I had to just constantly be resilient and just constantly be like, okay, Emmanuel, find another way. Mm -hmm. In life, one door will get you into where you want to go. The kicker is finding the door. Mm. Did you enjoy playing in the NFL? I enjoyed the camaraderie. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed the friendships. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed the team aspect. I didn't enjoy the game. But what's funny, I had to play football, you know, because if I don't play football, 
then I don't have that cultural understanding. Because remember, I, I was raised Nigerian culture, but went to school with all white people. So now you got to get your black culture in. Right. I got it in college, but then there's a different aspect of it in the NFL. Yes. So without playing in the NFL, yes. I don't go to the hood in Philadelphia. I played for the Eagles. I don't go to the hood in Philadelphia on Thanksgiving and spend Thanksgiving with my grandma, my homeboy's grandma, who lived in Philly. Interesting. So you really got the American black experience by playing in the NFL. Correct. You wouldn't have had it in the otherwise. NFL and in college. Yeah, and, and that ability and all of those different paths led you to this moment to be able to create uncomfortable conversations Correct. with a black man. Correct. Fascinating. Well, thank you for this amazing conversation. I was waiting for something uncomfortable, but, no <laughs> <laughs> but nothing came up. Oh. We're going to have to have another conversation exactly. with uncomfortable. Thank you for this. Okay, thank, thank you, Emmanuel. Talk about a fabulous meal in a truly stunning location. I really enjoyed my meal with Emmanuel Acho. I was ready for an uncomfortable conversation with a black man, but that's not exactly what happened today. There's something about knowing you can ask awkward and imperfect questions without fear of being judged or attacked that is really powerful. Emmanuel wants people to talk more, to ask more questions, to have more real conversations, especially the uncomfortable ones. Because honestly, how can we get better? How can we ever understand each other? How can we create a more loving and united world without first talking to each other? Thanks for listening to To Dine For, the podcast. For more information on the show, the guests, and the podcast, head to todinefortv.com. You can find us on Instagram at todinefortv and Facebook at To Dine For with Kate Sullivan. Thanks to the sponsors of To Dine For, the podcast, American National and Terlato Wine Group. Special thank you to producer and sound editor John Golner. To the loyal followers of this program, cheers, stay hungry, and stay inspired. I'll see you back at the table soon. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.